2: Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're
1: still here. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?"
2: Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Ah uh-huh, ha! In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do
1: I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom Alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages. You can transform any area with Alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design.
0: Is No Credentials Required covering sports around the mighty 518 part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network in association with Godzilla Media? Here is your host, Ryan McCarthy.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to No Credentials Required. This is brought to you by Belly Up Sports, in association with Godzilla Media. Just want to remind you, please like, share, and subscribe. Uh, whether you're on the watching on the YouTube side or you're listening on the audio side, you can subscribe anywhere you find podcasts, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Play, Podchaser. Anywhere you're listening to podcasts, please give us a like and review. Do appreciate it. And also want to remind you about the social media handles, which is right here below, Twitter, at Belly Up NCR, Facebook, facebook.com, forward slash BellyUpNCR, and of course, on YouTube side, no credentials required. I'm going to bring in my guest today. We're going to interview Evan Pivnik uh, from the Adirondack Thunder. He's the broadcaster, so I'll bring him on in. Evan, how are we doing today, bud? I'm great, Ryan. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Uh, before I start asking you questions, I just want to ask you, how how have you and your family been since, uh, during the pandemic? Uh, been all right. Um, I think,
3: uh, obviously after our season ended, uh, it, it's strange because our season is so hands-on and so busy that when we get the off season, it's like, okay, we could relax for a little bit. And that's kind of like the first thing that happened where it's like, okay, you know, we get a little bit extended off season. Cause you know, right when our season ended We kind of I think before that, like the season was suspended for two weeks and then it got canceled. So we didn't really know how long as anyone did, how long things would kind of last. So then kind of once the summer hit, then it's like, okay, we're going to start start up right back in October again Mm -hmm. um, as half our league did. But obviously being in the northeast with the restrictions being a little more tight, we couldn't. So that's when everything was like, all right, well, we're going to have to wait until next October to start up, hopefully. But now uh, obviously the lights at the end of the tunnel here. We're starting to plan already for next season. Um, And I think that for sure makes everyone feel a lot better. The weather is nicer outside again. So uh, I think that the combination of all the things, uh, you know, definitely puts a smile back on my face.
2: All right. So we're going to start off with this big question. When you were growing up, was sports a big part of your life? it
3: was a gigantic part of my life. Um, sport. I apologize if you hear the sirens and stuff. In the <laughs> yeah, no, I, I live right across from Glens Falls hospital. So oh, uh, a co- couple times a day, they, uh, they come on by hopefully saving, uh, the lives of the people. Yeah, um, uh, absolutely. So, you know, it's always people, you know, first responders, uh, helping people, which is nice. Mm-hmm. But, um, Sports were a gigantic part of my life. Still, obviously, are. Uh, growing up, i a huge Mets, Jets, and Islanders fan. I watched a little bit of basketball, but I couldn't take all of the, all the losing. So, you know, I kind of refrained <laughs> from watching the Knicks a little bit. But, um, yeah, I, I grew up 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes away from Nassau Coliseum. My dad had season tickets to the Islanders when I was younger. Um, you know, being able to go to see the Islanders play and only being and being able to be home on a school night by 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. was, you know, obviously great because um, I would to get in trouble. And then uh, my dad had season tickets to the Mets; still does have season tickets to the Mets. So you know, all year round there were, were sports, and I'd go to sporting events. I was lucky enough to do that as a kid, and then through my uh, my young adult life, and I still get to go to sporting events uh, for for a living. But you know, growing up and and being able to not only go to these events but to watch on televisions and sports. I mean
2: my family they're
3: they're big on sports so I was lucky to be to be raised in a very sports driven house.
2: It's it's nice to know you're a Jets fan. We will get along really well. I'm a Jets yeah. fan myself. <laughs> Baseball team, yeah I'm a Yankees fan, no big deal. That's all right. That's all right. Also room for the Mets if the Yankees are out of it, but that's all right. Sports being a part big part of your life. How did your interest in broadcasting grow? So going back to
3: my dad, he was the broadcaster for the albany colony a's and yankees oh my gosh back in the yankees yeah yeah back in the uh the mid 80s he was there for the change of name from a's to yankees okay um he went to school at suny albany and then then got that job out of college so for me growing up he, he got out of broadcasting just a few years after that but he uh you know growing up for me when i watched a game with my dad it was more so listen to this broadcaster call a game rather than, you know, look at Mike Piazza, the way he's playing sort of a thing. It was more of a focus on the broadcast rather than the players. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, I, I played a little baseball growing up, uh, wanted to play a little more, but obviously the skill level wasn't there. So what's the next best thing than you know, broadcasting the game. So I, you know, as a kid, I play video games and I, turn down the sliders so that there's no broadcaster apologies to Gary Thorne who was doing the games or Jim Houston oh, Gary Thorne yeah <laughs> so I turn that down but I still have like the crowd and the music so I would just call the games to myself I probably you know I would just sit there and, and, and do the games and that's really how you know it, it gets started for a lot of people and as little as as broadcasters know and we're that age that's yeah ex- that's experience that's reps that's doing stuff yeah and you know so you were
2: kind of, of you're kind of an audio nerd like me I, I would tape everything I I'd do like recordings for myself you do the same thing.
3: Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I sat in the upper deck with my my friend, um, one of my 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 best friend, growing up, Tom, who's still one of my 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 closest friends. Uh, and we we would call the games to ourselves. <laughs> like I brought, we had a little voice recorder, and like he wasn't so much into broadcasting, but we were just big hockey fans, so we would do that. Um, we'd sit, you know, there's like twenty five percent people at the at Nassau Coliseum watching the Islanders in the late two thousands when they weren't great um so we we would watch the games and call it to ourselves and like obviously it was more joking wasn't really taking it seriously like yeah. we'd say some pretty funny things but at least we thought it was funny but that's really and that's how it's, it's what we did and little did i know that would help me get experience to what i'm doing today
2: what led you to take this job with the thunder at glens falls I, I suspect you grew up in the albany area my next question was did you even know that the glens falls existed but you seem like you grew up in the area. You kind of know already that Glens Falls existed. <laughs> so I, I'm from
3: Long Island. I'm from okay. Long Island. Uh, I knew it existed because my dad used to go to Adirondack Red Wings games. Nice. Back when he was going to school and stuff like that. So I always knew that, you know, it existed. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to an Albany or uh, an Adirondack Phantoms game. On, okay. We went to a trip to Montreal and on the way back, we hit up a Phantoms game. That was probably okay. 2009. So I'm familiar with, you know, the surrounding areas. And plus, um, my my godfather is Paul Schwartz of the New York Post, who writes for the Giants. Okay. And a couple of times, I went up to go see him in Albany at training camp and and, and hang out with him for a few days. But um, I, I was familiar uh, with the area. And I got the job in Glens Falls out of college. I went to Bowling Green State University.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And it was strange you know, it, it, it's such an unpredictable industry. And the way it worked out was it's, it's, a, it's a pretty funny story. Or at least I think it's funny. So we, uh, when I, I graduated school and um, I was looking for, for work, obviously. And I was going to be an intern with the Rockford Ice Hogs in the AHL. Just okay. like a broadcast intern and it was just something for me to do that I'd stay in hockey. I, you know, I wouldn't really be doing play by play, but mm-hmm. it was a lot of stuff that I really haven't done before. Like digital stuff and video stuff that I would probably need at some point in my career. So I was, I was ready to do that. And that I was going to leave the last week of August to do that. And I saw right as I was like packing my car the week before that this job opened in, in Glens Falls and it, Open mm-hmm. because the Vegas Golden Knights hired all their broadcasters because that was their first year in the league. Right. So they hired Dan Duva, who was doing the Syracuse Crunch.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So he goes from Syracuse to Vegas. That opens up the Syracuse job. And Lucas Favalli, who got hired in Glens Falls for only two months because he was the voice of the Elmira Jackals, yep. who folded. I remember, the, year- I remember the Jackals. Yep. Yep. They folded in 1617. Uh, so he was going to be the broadcaster for the Thunder. So he got hired in like June. And then in August he took the job in Syracuse because mm-hmm. he you know he went to school in Syracuse and you know he it was a great opportunity for him. So I opened the job in Glens Falls. So I think I interviewed on the phone Monday, and I thought it okay. Got a call back, so like, hey, can you drive up to Glens Falls? I was like, I have nothing to do, so I did. I drove up to Glens Falls and interviewed on Wednesday, and they said, hey, okay, we'll let you know by the end of the week. I said perfect, but I didn't say like, okay, I'm leaving to drive to Rockford, Illinois on Friday, which right. is how it worked out. So um, my dad and I are driving Friday. All the stuff's in my car, going up, and I didn't hear anything. So I was like, okay, I probably hear Monday, and or I'm assuming at this point it's a no because I didn't hear anything,
2: mm-hmm. which
3: was fine. Like it was my first, you know, shot at interviewing for like a job I could possibly get. So mm-hmm. I, for me, like, oh, it's like okay, I did the interview process. It's a learning experience for me. So, uh, Saturday we spent the night in Bowling Green. I saw some buddies there. Um, and then Saturday I went to go see a friend in Chicago for lunch. So finished up lunch there. I was texting the guy to get my apartment keys. I was 40 minutes away from Rockford. And then I got a call from Jeff Meade, our team president here saying that I got the job. Nice. So I basically told my dad, Hey, let's pull over and figure everything out here. So we turned around at like a gas station outside of Chicago I uh, I called my supervisor for the internship, Bob Mills, who was actually a graduate from Bowling Green, and I was like, "Hey Bob." And this was like a day after like two other interns quit or yeah. didn't like the same thing, they got jobs. I was like, "Bob, I hate to do this to you, but I uh, I got an ECHL job." And he was like, "Dude, don't even worry about it. That's awesome. Congratulations. You got a job. Like go have fun with that. We'll take care of everything here." And that was like a weight off my shoulders. I was like, "Oh, this is my first time." inter like Interning away from home, and I'm gonna ruin it the day before I'm supposed to show up. But <laughs> he was awesome. About it. I was actually texting what would have been who would have been my roommate in Rockford. I was we were talking about like what cable like thing we we're gonna get, and then like <laughs> my next text was like, yeah, I'm not coming. But <laughs> but it, yeah, that's how it worked out. It was you know three days of driving 1800 miles, and I mean I'm in, in Glens Falls now.
2: Take the listener or the viewer through a typical game day. How do you prepare for games with the Thunder?
3: Do you want a home game or, or a road game?
2: Let's or do both. both. Let's start okay. with home.
3: Let's start with home. Okay. So in addition to broadcasting the games, so broadcasting is actually a very small percentage of the job that I actually do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this way in, in minor league sports. I think in both hockey, baseball, pretty much anything you find. Yep. I'm also the director of communications, director of community relations. I do a lot of our marketing, our social mm-hmm. media. So that's like my main job.
2: Yeah. So
3: on a game day, let's just say we, we play at 7 p.m. So my mornings consist of printing. I will print probably until noon in terms of our game notes, our schedule our like posters for that day with all the stats on it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I do an interview with a couple of players in the morning. So I have stuff for the intermissions. So as the players are practicing, I'll, I'll, you know, grab a couple of them and, and, and chat for about 10 minutes with each. So I just have something to air between periods. Right. And then, um, I'll go back to the office. I'll print some more. I'll start stapling some stuff together. And then uh, that's probably around 12. Then I'll go set up the press box around 12, 15, 12, 30. So I'll bring up all the stuff I printed out. I'll make sure everyone who has a spot on the at the press box has game notes, all the other game notes from the other team because they have to send their versions of the game notes, the yeah. league stat pack that we have to print out um like the the other notes that are going on and just make sure everything's all set up for that game that takes me about till one o'clock um and then from one to three is kind of like laying low maybe i'll grab some lunch um make sure i have everything set up basically you know now, in, in in
2: i hate to interrupt you. Do, you do you do a pre-game that but the players do not
3: uh not at home usually not okay. at home <laughs> um no but uh so i'll go i'll make sure and also like in the mornings i'll give all the stat packs to the coaches and the players mm-hmm. i throw a couple in the home and, and road locker room so i have to make sure i do that somewhat earlier in the morning so that i can catch yep. them when they're there mm-hmm. um, during morning skates so and i do our uh our pregame. we call it the lowdown with alex low as our head coach so yep. we uh we do clever. that for the Very yeah clever we, <laughs> yeah we do that before the games or around the mornings around 10 30 we we do that in our lobby we do the the video of it so that's cool get that done it's just a lot of running around in the mornings things are printed out and then from like one to three i'll grab some lunch change into my suit um and then i get to the rink around 334 and that's really when it becomes like okay there's no fans in the building yet we open doors at 5 30 for a seven o'clock game it's kind of just like a make sure we have all the loose ends tied up so we'll have like a production meeting at around 4.30 where everyone kind of gets their roles for the game. Um, you know, who's going to handle this group that comes in? Do we have these elements for the scoreboard, for the video board? We, we know what we're doing. And uh, we just have that all set, ready to go. And then 5.30-ish comes around. I'll go to our coach's room, interview him for uh, right before the game because obviously different mentality. So I like to get the pregame interview right before kind of everything begins there. Yep. Um, and then six I'm on the air for our pregame show and then seven o'clock comes around the game goes through. I, um, I do our press releases too. So I'm writing the game recaps mm-hmm. in between periods. So that's why I do the inter intermission interviews. So it okay. gives me a little bit of time that I can write our game story. And then once the game ends, depending if we're on the road right after or not, I'll finish up the game story, send out some photos, and then uh, send that to all of our contacts and make sure they have it. Post everything on social media, and hopefully we're all set and there's no problems.
2: All right. So that's a home I game. Was, I suspect that the a road game is a lot different. Take us through uh, a, a road game, preparing for a road game.
3: Okay, so I will. I'll preface it. Okay, let's let's just pretend that game just ended the home game. So we're yep. let's just say we're going to Maine to play that. So let's just say that was a Friday night at home, Saturday's mm-hmm. at Maine. So. I'll finish up my post game recap as quickly as I can I'll head down to the uh, locker room. I have a change of clothes waiting for me down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put on whatever tracksuit or sweatpants and sweatshirt that we're going to wear on the bus. I uh, have my pillow with me <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we get, we get on the bus and Maine is about four and a half hours. So we have our post game meal down there too. So if we're traveling, we sign up for a post game meal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's usually, you know, I don't like to eat anything too greasy on the bus because then you feel gross the whole trip. Yeah. So I, I keep it somewhat simple. So um, we leave probably around 11, 1130 the latest because mm-hmm. guys like to, you still have to shower and we have to pack up all the stuff. So we're on the bus probably 1130. So we don't get into Maine till around f- probably 334 in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I do all of our travel. So it's my responsibility to check in at the hotel, which they have the rooming list Mm -hmm. from the day before, hopefully whatever, what is still intact from the rooming list, depending on what happened during the game. If anyone got banged up or something like that. Right. So uh, we drop the guys off at the hotel. I make sure the hotel has all the keys and all the rooms situated. I make sure everyone's situated. Then myself, our equipment manager, athletic trainer, and our coaches will go back to the arena. This is probably four in the morning at this point. Unload all the bags for all the players we hang up all the stuff in the stalls for the next morning's morning skate or for that morning's morning skate it's in 5 hours mm-hmm. um uh so we put our gloves on it smells terrible we're on the bus for 5 hours and then we're putting up all like disgusting gear but uh it's like the little stuff that makes the, the world go around i guess and um we do that we finish that probably 4:30 4:45 depending on how quickly you want to get out of there so in bed probably 4, 5 a.m., sleep Mm -hmm. for a few hours, grab some breakfast, head over to the arena, um, take some videos maybe for morning skate to post on social media, uh, do a couple interviews again, and then uh, coordinate team lunch. So team lunch is always at the same time in the hotels. So I'm in charge of getting that all situated. So I'll go back to the hotel a little bit earlier, make sure that's ready by 12.15 And then uh, make sure it's there until all the guys have eaten. And then when that's done, that's probably around 2, 2 2.30. Then at that point, I'll see what office work I have to do um, or just get ready for the game that night. And that I'll do pretty much in the hotel. uh, I room with our equipment manager, Alex Mann, and we pretty much have forensic files on the whole time. So that's really, really, and then at around 4.30, 4.45, depending on where we are, um, if it's Maine, I'll walk to the arena around four thirty.
2: Now, for a longer road trip, because I know you guys go down to this down south occasionally to Norfolk, to Charleston, to Florida, back up to Cincinnati. Is it the same? Type, is it the same type of thing every single night? Um, yeah, it's
3: always nice though when we're in a place for more than one day. Right. Obviously, um, like f- my a couple years ago, we got to go to Fort Myers, Florida, for uh, six days, which was like. It's never not gonna get trip. any. It's never gonna get any. Be- it's not gonna get better than that in the ECHL, because um, we were in one spot for six days, so we mm-hmm. didn't have to worry about anything um, in terms of travel. But the flights are, you know, it's my responsibility too, so I have to make sure that those, those are all coordinated. But mm-hmm. yeah, and in the mo- for the most part, it, it's pretty much the same thing. Um, if our schedule allows, we try to go the day before. If it's a place that's like maybe more than four hours just so we can like settle in in the afternoon, go out to dinner. Um, Guys can kind of do what they want. And it's, you know, not as time crunched and a lot of the cities luckily in our division um, are awesome cities. Like Portland, Maine is just a great city. We get, we get to go there a ton of times. So we always like to get there early so we can go out to dinner and go to all these nice places. So it's uh, it's, it's definitely different depending on the city you go to, but grand scheme of things it's, 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 it's the same. Okay.
2: That was actually my next question about you. In addition to the broad being a broadcaster, you're also the travel coordinator for the team. That was kind of a, my next question as yeah. to uh, what kind of things you deal with for that job. Yeah. But if say you were going to Newfoundland because okay, you got to go to Newfoundland. Yeah, we do. Describe all the domestic stuff. What about international stuff? You have to deal with passports. You have to deal with yeah. visas, all that kind of thing.
3: So, I'm a big advocate for our guys or everyone for traveling, no matter where we are, always have your passport on you. Of course. There have have been, there have been instances where guys have gotten called up Mm -hmm. and the team they're playing is in Canada and they don't have their passport. So they can't go. So they have to call someone else. So it's like, you always want to be ready to be called up at Mm -hmm. any point for the players. So I just said, if you're traveling, no matter where we go, just bring your passport, put it in your backpack, forget about it. Like, it's it's the easiest thing you can do. And plus, when we go, we went to Brampton, which is no longer in our league, they folded, unfortunately. Oh. but when we we'd bust there, but in order for our guys to get to Per diem, I would ask to show their passport. Like, let me see your passport. So this way, I know you have it. And you know, if you lose it by the time that I ask for it and the time we get there, that's not my fault. That is on you, but that's going to slow everyone down. So I have to make sure everyone has their passports. But yeah, for for Newfoundland, luckily, uh, the way they run everything is great. Um, they have people that basically just take care of a lot of the stuff for us. They have their own travel agency. They have their equipment stuff taken care of. Thanks. So I'll just email them and say, hey, we're coming on this day. And uh, we are going to arrive at this. We want to arrive at this time. So their travel agent will reach out to me and get all the people processed for it. And Air Canada, hockey sticks fly free. <laughs> Which is the most Canadian thing in the world,
2: but um, it's 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 nice. It saves us some. Listening for the cross sticks too, because lacrosse yeah, is I, the I'm, national sport of Canada. <laughs>
3: exactly, but I'm sure it's the same thing there too. But yeah. they know how how often hockey teams travel through Air Canada, so yeah. Um, but the logistics are a little bit different when we fly, or in the past when we fly, we flew to uh, to Newfoundland because the planes are smaller, mm-hmm. so we can't get a direct flight to newfoundland right. but luckily we are close to montreal yeah in a sense where we can just go that morning yep. so instead of flying from albany we fly from montreal which saves us the customs yeah so we cross the border normally on our bus and then we fly out of montreal and we go montreal to toronto toronto to st john's mm-hmm. so that's kind of our way of going around making it more of a a tedious task but it's still nerve-wracking because it's still flying and there's a lot of things that are out of your control like last year it was our last trip before our season canc- was canceled mm-hmm. um we were flying to st john's everything was going so smoothly like it was i couldn't have written it better <laughs> like we got to the airport at like 8 a.m on a monday and there was no one there awesome. which was like shocking because we have to check in 25 people plus bags. Right. Like, it's not an easy process.
2: No, no um, it doesn't seem like it, no. But
3: luckily, luckily, like Air Canada, like in Montreal, they, they like, you just say, like, hey, we're the hockey team. And they're like, okay, perfect. They send, like, four people out to help us. Um, but there are also instances where we go to different airports, and I'm like, well, you have to wait on this line. I'm like, I don't think you understand what we're doing here. But, um, <laughs> but uh, so everything was fine. Like, our, we were going to be in time, like, we planned the trip so we can get in time, be in time for dinner. We had like a team like bonding thing that night. Mm -hmm. Like it was being like, we're all going to go out and go have dinner and stuff like that. And that would have put us probably five o'clock Newfoundland time, which Newfoundland is an hour and a half ahead of us, which is the weirdest thing in the world.
2: Yeah. It's very strange. It's strange.
3: (laughs) So um, we no hiccups from Montreal to Toronto, like no, no hiccups. Like the flight was immaculately on immaculately on time. Um, the boarding went smoothly. We had this huge plane taking us from Toronto to to St. John's. It was like one of the 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 jets that we're going to go to Europe after. Oh wow! So it was like the you know three seats, four seats, three seats, and we're all spread out. It was great. Mm-hmm. So it's probably three and a half hours into the four hour flight to St. John's. The captain announces, "Hey, we're making our final descent into St. John's. You know, just make sure you have all your belongings." Five minutes later, he gets back on the on the thing. And he's like, "Um, so they don't have enough space for us to land in St. John's. So we're going back to Toronto. Oh. So I was like, what? Yeah. So we had a, and I I think I took a picture of it somewhere on my phone of like, because on the seats they have like the screen. So it shows you like a map. And it's just like, you see us in St. John's. And it's just like this, yeah, this figure (laughs) eight. And it just comes back to Toronto. So it was like a five and a half hour, six hour flight. And then we land in Toronto. And like all oh, hell's breaking loose because at this point we don't have an equipment truck anymore because mm-hmm. our bus left, they dropped us off of the host- hotel and left. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to figure out also hotels because they're going to put us up in a hotel, mm-hmm. but also we're in the same boat as like three other flights, I guess. So I was oh. waiting online in the Toronto airport, like wrapped around for like a mile and a half. I finally got to the front of it Or I f- finally got us rescheduled. Mm-hmm. For the next day, I had to call like the emergency line for the travel agency. We got rescheduled the next day, but we were broken up on like three different flights. Um, Oof. But we had to stay at the, the hotel. Like, There's a hotel like shuttle. And then I was like, we can't get our equipment on the shuttle. It's just like a normal shuttle that like a rent-a-car place would pick up. Right. So we went down to baggage claim and we they took up all of our stuff off the plane. And we just asked the guys like, hey, we have no choice but to leave it here. Like we, we can't do anything else. We oh need to leave gosh. it here. And they said, okay, well, you know, we can't guarantee, but we will do our best. Mm-hmm. So we end up checking into this hotel. It was like a holiday inn or something. And I was just getting texts from, and calls from our players. It's like, Piver, there's three guys in one room. Blah blah. blah. I was like, I can't do anything right now, guys. Like yeah. just, it's one night. We have to get up It's 5 a.m. Anyway, it's one in the morning. Like just lay on the floor. Like I, as much as I would love to help you, I can't, it's out of my control. Mm -hmm. And like a couple of guys understood that I was just getting texts. Like there's one bed and there's three of us. I was like, I didn't plan this. So, oh, well, (laughs) well. so, uh, we end up getting to the airport the next morning. Yes. My first thing is like, okay, our bags, they're going to be gone. Like they're going to be doing. So we get to the airport in Toronto and all of our stuff is not only still there, but the people at baggage claim took the opportunity to bin all of our stuff and get it checked in for the flight. Oh, wow. So not only did we not have to do anything, but it was already like boxed up and ready for us to go. Like we didn't have to do anything. It was, we gave the guy like whatever cash we had. We're like, Oh my, like unbelievable. Like this is saves everything. So now we just had to do a normal check-in at the the regular check-in desk. And then we got there and like, I think it was like four three or four. I think three groups went at three different times and we ended up getting there like one in the afternoon, but it was just an absolute disaster. And again, nothing like we could have, you know, done about it. It was just the way yeah. it was. And I mean, that's obviously worst case scenario on traveling, but it makes for a great story. I'm happy to tell it on the podcast. Yeah. So. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. I yeah, appreciate no problem.
2: it. I appreciate yeah. it.
3: Yeah. But that's, uh, that's, that's our travel to, uh, to St. John's. Luckily we, we bus most places. Um, we've had to do a sleeper bus a couple of times. We have mm-hmm. a normal coach bus, but, uh, we had to do a sleeper bus a couple of times where that gets close quartered, but fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's, it's funny because when I was in college, I, uh, we had a sleeper bus every trip cause we'd, you know, Going to school in Bowling Green, it would be in, all, in Ohio, but we'd play teams in Alabama, Northern Michigan, yep. Minnesota, yep. and it was like customary that the broadcaster, who was like the lowest guy on the totem pole in terms of you know hierarchy, would sleep on the floor. I had my designated spot on the floor in the super bus. <laughs> it was between like the two couches in the middle, so our head coach was to the left and our assistant coach was to the right and I'd sleep right, right in the middle. It was fine. Like I, I knew that was my place in college. I had like a yoga mat. I brought a pillows. Like I got, I made it comfortable. Yeah. So like our first trip on a sleeper bus when I was here, um, I was like getting ready to sleep on the floor. I was like, this, you know, I'm probably, I, I figured I'm lower at this point. Yeah. And then our, our captain James Henry is like, what are you doing? I'm like, yeah, I'll sleep on the floor. He goes, staff get bunks. Does staff get bunks so i was like great so i i went in before everyone else i picked out the bunk i wanted it was unbelievable nice. and i was like ah finally i, I felt like i made it at that point yeah and it was it was it was nice it was it was nice to change of pace to like be off the floor and have like a little curtain thing a tv in my bunk which was fine and It was like a little thing that just made me happy about, like, I've come so far from sleeping on the floor of buses to now actually getting my own bunk. But it's rare that we do sleeper buses. We fly a lot um, for the most part, which, thank God, Southwest exists. The (laughs) the unofficial official uh, airline of the ECHL because bags fly free. Um, Big help. But, uh, yeah, so it's a lot of logistics. But luckily, like, I'm working on our travel right now. for this upcoming season so we get ahead of it as quickly as we can so this way we're not scrambling if there is a time to scramble like we we have it kind of in the bag already
2: you were featured in the NBC documentary on the life and career of Doc Emmerich. Mm -hmm. How influential has he been as a part of your broadcasting career?
3: It's amazing to be honest with you, just how, you know, you, you hear about Doc Emmerich, you watch him on, on TV and call games. It's like almost like, it's almost like a, a a figure that doesn't actually exist.
2: Yeah, you know? I, I've always said that I, I want to be him when I grow up. <laughs> exactly. Like you never, you never like
3: intend to like. Oh, I hope to meet him one day. Like that'll be cool. Yeah. And I remember when I was younger, I was at an Islanders Devils game, and for some reason I was like in the suite level, and I remember I walked by Mike Emmerich. and I was like ten or eleven, maybe twelve, and I was like, oh my god, I just walked by Doc Emmerich. <laughs> like he like walked by me, he was on the phone or something, or he was like, there was some recording something. And I was like, well, that was that was Mike Emmerich. That was the coolest thing ever. And then when I was at Bowling Green, I mean, he he went to Bowling Green, that's where he got the doc title. He mm-hmm. was at Bowling Green, he, he got his PhD there. Yep. And, you know, I've always heard about how great of a guy he is and, and all this stuff. But again, it's still like a mythical figure to you. Right. it's just like there's no way like i've heard all these stories it's kind of like a an urban legend almost uh, like i know he exists when i turn on my tv to watch the the finals on NBC, yeah. <laughs> but i never you know so uh it my senior year um coincided with the 50th anniversary of the ice arena at bowling green so i get oh, a I wow. i get a text one day from our assistant athletic director at bowling green who i, I had a pretty good relationship with mm-hmm. and he texted me hey i need to talk to you in my office Which is like never good.
2: No, never. oh, no. Should I bring a Uh, box? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, okay.
3: I'm still a student at this time. So I was like, I figured, like, they're doing something, cutting back. I was like, or whatever. Like, it was a good run. So I go (laughs) into his office, and he sits me down. And, of course, there was like a a period at the end of the text, too. So, like, I really looked into it. And I was like, oh, no. That's the proper, you know, grammar in a text message. That can never be good. And um, so I sit down in his office. And he's like, okay, so for our 50th anniversary, I was like, okay, good. It's not me getting canned or anything like that. He says, we want to bring in some alumni to, you know, be a part of the broadcast since we're gonna have a lot of people in the area that day. And mm-hmm. we want you to uh, call the game with this guy. So he turns around his computer monitor. Jason Knievel is his name. He thought he was the funniest guy in the world for doing this. Mm-hmm. Turns around his computer monitor. And it's like a Getty image of Mike Emmerich. <laughs> and instead of me being like, Oh my God, I'm calling a game with Mike Emmerich, the first thing that came to my mind was Jason, how long have you had that like picture on your computer turn around, ready for that for? It, it was something like that. <laughs> and he goes, Damn it, damn it. I'm like, what happened? And he's like, I had this room GoPro to catch your reaction. <sighs> and I was like, sorry, like we could do it again. But like that was like the first thing that came to my mind. Cause again, it's like not processing that I'm gonna call a game with Mike Emmerich. And yeah. then I called my dad after I was like, Yeah, you know, they're gonna bring a Mike Emmerich to call a game. And then that's when I was kinda like, Whoa yeah mike emmerich's gonna call i'm gonna call a game with mike emmerich and then i think a couple weeks later so the game was actually on my birthday it was on february 11th um and i got a text at like january 17th Mm -hmm. just out of nowhere on my phone it was from a michigan number and that's i know doc lives in michigan he's from michigan he's Mm -hmm. from Indiana, but now lives in michigan but i thought it was someone on the athletic department like playing a prank on me it's like hi evan Doc Emmerich here. Just getting in touch with you to see if you can go over pronunciations for the game we'll <laughs> be calling together. He goes, "Can I? Can we talk later today?" So I responded, like, you know, I didn't want to be like, "Ha ha, very funny," but I was like, mm-hmm. "Okay, I'm around today. Why don't you call me?"
2: Oh, well,
3: I didn't like say it like that, but I was like, I, I like was eighty nine percent sure <laughs> that this was like someone at the on the athletic department like playing a prank on me. Yeah. So I was like yeah, sure. Like you call me. Like I I'm I'm around it too. He goes, okay, perfect. I'll call you then. I was like, okay, they're committing a little bit too much to the prank now. Yeah. (laughs) And then like 2 PM comes and I get a phone call and I was like, hello. And it's unrecognizably Like it's Mike Emmerich, like exactly how you'd say. And he was calling to get pronunciations on a game that was coming up in a month and a half. (laughs) And I'm like, what is going on? Right? Like I worry about pronunciations, like maybe the day before. Yeah. Maybe the day of when I see like, oh, I don't know that name. What name is that? Like, but for him to call and plus, like he took off a weekend at NBC to do the game for like to volunteer to do the game. Wow. And like, he's calling me about pronunciations. (laughs) And I was just like, we talked like 45 minutes. It was a great conversation. He was like, yeah. And he's like, you know, he's like, what else would you like to do for the broadcast? I was like, doc you can throw me out of the broadcast booth (laughs) like and i'll fall in my head and i'll be like okay that's fine but he like he's like you know it's it's your show i'm just along for the ride you Mm -hmm. let me know what you need me to do and it was great and um we called the game together and he was unbelievable it's actually funny because he did the play-by-play for the second period Mm -hmm. i did the first and third so it's like really weird you know you're doing what you're doing but to have Mike Emmerich literally right here, you feel like you're under the biggest microscope in the world. Yeah. Because, like, I do this every day, but, like, I kind of do it to myself. I know people are listening somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I usually do, do games by myself. And then I have Mike Emmerich, who's, like, everyone wants to be Mike Emmerich and have his approval. And I'm, like, realizing I'm starting to, like... I don't want to mess up. So yeah. I, I I was a little, I was pretty nervous, but he's like such a calming presence and such a great guy. And then mm-hmm. he did, he did the play by play for the second period. And once he started like right after the face off of the second period, I almost had to take off my headset. Cause I was laughing. Cause it was just the absurd, <laughs> like how absurd this was. Mm-hmm. Like it was the only period I ever didn't call at my time at Bowling Green when I was the broadcaster. Mm-hmm. And instead of letting like, you know, a student who wanted to do it, like it's Mike Emmerich doing it yeah, and he's doing it like he would be doing like a broadcast on NBC. Cause he's I, you know, I had the headset on, I hear him clearly. It's mm-hmm. the way, but it. it's like, it, it's to see him right here doing that and me being a part of it was like laughable to me. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, it's just how absurd it was. So that was, it was really cool. And then a- after that, it was like, what, other, what else is going to compare to that? Like, it's unbelievable. And he's such a great guy. He's like, keep in touch, you know, he had nothing but great things to say about me that day, and I was really appreciative of that. You know, he gave me his cell phone number. Oh, I had his cell phone number from the text, but, you know, his email, he goes, don't be afraid to text me, call me, do whatever you need. So it's funny enough, when the job came open in Glens Falls, I kind of just sent, like, a prayer email. Like, hey, like, you don't happen to know anyone, do you? And mm-hmm. he's like, oh, let me see what I can do. And then he sent me an email, like, 10 minutes later, he goes, I just talked to the president in Glens Falls. Uh, he should be reaching out to you. I was like, <laughs> You called him. (laughs) So that's what type of person Doc Emmerich is like. He doesn't really have to know people, but he like he the fact that he made a phone call and I just I was just an athlete. Hey, do you know he could have very easily just said, hey, I don't know anyone. Thanks for reaching out. Mm -hmm. But instead to not only say, oh, I don't know, but hold on. He goes and looks up the number of my now boss, Jeff Mead, (laughs) calls him. And you know, gives me praise. It's like, that's no one in their right mind would ever do that. And I'm very appreciative that he did. And it's mm-hmm. just, uh, it's crazy. And it was a great experience I had. Um, I mean, it's going to be probably my number one experience ever in the broadcasting world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like playing on the same line as Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, it's kind of what it is. And uh to still be able to talk to him and you know, we we email back and forth and he's always like around and listening, which is very mm-hmm. strange to say, but like so it was my first year, first year with the Thunder, and we had a playoff game. And I was running around like it was a normal game day, but it was like playoffs, so it was a little crazier. I mm-hmm. come back and I see a voicemail on my work phone, which again he did not have this number. <laughs> and he he left me a voicemail. He's like, "Hey, Evan, just saw that the uh, Thunder will be playing tonight. Best of luck. Have a great broadcast. I'll be sure to try to tune in and uh, have a great one." And then he ended it with "I Ziggy Zumba," which is like a bowling green thing. Hmm. Uh, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> like, he he. One knows that we're playing in the playoffs. Like, which like. Mm-hmm. The NHL, you don't expect people to be like, oh, the the ECHL had their playoffs tonight. The Adirondack Thunder are playing tonight. Like, yeah. let me give Evan a call and then leave him a voicemail and wish him good luck, and maybe I'll tune in. It's like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like stuff like that. Like, and I, you hear the stories all the time of all that stuff, and it's like, there's no way he's actually like this, but he is. He's like the yeah. most genuine person in in the entire universe, and he'll do anything to help anyone. And it's, you know, I got asked to be a part of the uh, documentary on on NBC, which. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really didn't know exactly what it was going to be. I didn't know how much they needed me for. Right. Um, And I ended up being only like about six or seven minutes, but still just to still. Yeah. yeah. And again, they they came out with a press release before the, before the thing aired. Hmm. And it was one of those like absurd, like laughable moments for me. It's like guests include Wayne Gretzky, Gary Bettman. Uh, I forgot who else was on this list. And then at the end and Evan (laughs) Pivnik. What's the What? Like, And it was just like one of those moments where you're just like, that doesn't need to be there. Yeah, (laughs) Like, like like, you're I'm fine with and more and many more guests. (laughs) But then I I saw how they all worked it in and it made sense. And they interviewed me for about like an hour, hour and a half about the whole thing. And it was like, uh, you know, they brought the cameras, they brought the lights and it was, you know, professional. And I was like, this is like big time stuff. And then I watched it and they just, they, you know, they killed the whole thing. It was awesome. And uh, just to be a part of that. And, you know all the texts that i got from that day just like oh i saw you on tv and i was like yeah it's it's Thanks. weird it's just weird <laughs> the whole the whole situation is weird but um, you know again obviously to be uh thought of as someone who was i obviously i am someone who has been deeply influenced by the work of mike Emmerich and also him as a person like to him to be somewhat of a mentor for me and, and to and to think about me in that aspect uh not only makes me feel good about myself but just shows how great of a human he is Mm -hmm. that he you know not only takes the extra mile he takes the extra you know light years he goes for people and just to uh you know and also see on that documentary all the people who had just similar experiences i mean it's uh and for him to also be not only just a great person but just be the the top of his craft as well he's Mm -hmm. like the guy so it's
2: yeah, he's it's, the voice he is the American voice of ice hockey.
3: Exactly. Every moment you think of it's it's Mike Emmer calling it. So it's uh and it's great for him just to be now, uh, you know, either a phone call or a text away just to uh you know pick his brain about something and he's usually very good on responding. So uh and if he doesn't he he feels very bad about it, which I <laughs> so uh, it's it's uh it's great to have that connection with him and uh and still be in contact with him.
2: I actually have a Mike Emmerich story of my own. Uh, the closest I ever came to actually meeting and shaking his hand and talking to him. Uh, back in the day, before I started podcasting, I was actually a chaplain uh, for the Albany RiverRats mm-hmm. and for the Albany Devils. I served with them for nine seasons. And I'm, they had the All-Star Breakfast. Hockey Ministry runs an All-Star Breakfast every year at the All-Star Game. And 2009, happened to be in Montreal. So I was like, all right, do an overnight trip to Montreal and take part of a, take part in a breakfast and lo and behold, on on at the front, the, the head of the table, the head table sitting there's Mike Emmerich and Chico Resch yeah. on the one side. I, I wanted to take some time and say hi and shake his hand and say, I listened to you for so many years. The devil's fan. I'm a new Jersey devil's fan. So I get to listen to him pretty much. That was my 90s soundtrack right there in terms yeah. of broadcasting was, was him calling devil's games. Uh, whether it be on on Sports Channel or Fox, and I never got a chance to say hello or talk to him or say and just say thank you for all your all of you done for American hockey. That's the closest I ever got to meeting him. But I know yeah. he's also involved with hockey ministries too. So would, uh, here and there, yeah. So it, it's, yeah. it's just kind of cool to see. Yeah, like he's it, an it, actual good dude.
3: It, it's 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 unbelievable too, like the things he'll do to like to research people so mark benetti who does my job but with the rapid city rush in our league he mm-hmm. told me a story when he was in fort wayne on the road with rapid city and mike emmerich grew up in the fort wayne area he grew up going to games and they had like a, a tribute night to bob chase who was the broadcaster there for a long time yep. mike emmerich ended up going the old shadow and got yep. basically got a start from him
2: and i think i, I think I, I think i listened to that game too
3: yeah, he he joined. So, yeah. Mark Mark Benetti was doing the Rapid City broadcast, and in between periods, he kind of like looked and saw like Mike Emmerich was there, and he's like, "Oh, it'd be great just to like shake his hand." So, I guess Mark was doing something between periods, and he looked to his left, and waiting over his shoulder to talk to him was Mike Emmerich. Like, Mark, Mike Emmerich went over to Mark and talked to, and we'll <laughs> waited for him to get off the air, and then instead of introduce, and Mark was ready to go, "Hi, uh, Mr. Emmerich, I'm Mark," and then Doc goes, Ah, Mister Benetti, so great <laughs> to meet you. And it's like what? So he like he did his research on the opposing broadcaster that he might end up meeting uh, at some point in the game. But it, it's it's crazy, and so many people have like stories like that, where it's just like, and it, it's it's strange. As I said, it's like a mythical figure that like you see. It's mm-hmm. it's almost like you know you hear stories about all of it, and just to see it firsthand and be being able to, to you know to benefit from his, his kindness and his graciousness is, is tremendous.
2: A couple last, a couple last questions here, and sure. you touched on this earlier in the podcast and in this episode, and just want to ask you again: the, the Thunder not completing the 2019-2020 season, offered they, they elected not to play this season. A lot of teams in the ECHL actually elected not to play this season. But and it, I don't know if you still interact with some of the players or the coaches, but, but how has how have you as as a broadcaster and I guess the I guess to say the front office, how have you dealt with not having games at the arena is it is it a big void or how do you feel that how do you fill that that space
3: it's it was surreal when it happened it was surreal because mm-hmm. you know obviously we never experienced anything like this before no. in terms of the world shutting down and we were actually supposed to bust to brampton that day yeah we were supposed to leave at 8 a.m uh this was march 12th so it was funny because I was trying to get tickets because we had like an off day off night in Brampton. I was mm-hmm. trying to get tickets to the Maple Leafs game that night. Oh, wow. So I was like asking everyone like, oh, yeah, you know, and I actually struck out on tickets. I was like, oh, well, well. So <laughs> the game ended up not happening, mm-hmm. but um, we were about to get on the bus. We had our stuff packed on the bus and then we got like a notice from the league and it's like, all right, guys, just stay back for a little bit. We're trying to figure out some stuff. Then the bus got pushed to 12, then to two, and then, that point where like we heard the season got suspended. Ooh. So at that point it's like, okay, well we hang out for a couple of weeks now. Like, do we push back the re- end, end of the season? Because initially mm-hmm. when this whole thing started, it was supposed to be, okay, maybe a month, maybe, you know, you know, everything gets shut down for a month. We're going lockdown and then everything gets back to normal, which obviously didn't happen, mm-hmm. but that was kind of like our thoughts. Okay. Maybe do we push the, you know, the end of the season back. Um, but then you have to get into the logistics of like building availability for stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and then a couple days later, I think so that was a Thursday, and then Saturday they canceled the rest of our season. So then that oh. Monday, we had like all of our exit interviews and stuff mm-hmm. um, for all the players and all the media and stuff like that. So it was it's just strange because there's like no closure at the end of a season. Usually, mm-hmm. you know, you know it's your last game or you're going to the playoffs, but it, it was just strange. And then guys kind of were back to square one, and you know as. The summer went along, we started signing players because we still had that optimism that, you know, maybe in October we get enough capacity to play and we ended up not getting that. And then the season got pushed to November, then December, mm-hmm. then January we were supposed to start. And then we ended up not getting that because uh, even if we did get the OK to play at 50 percent, because that's what we were looking at for 50 percent for that right. season, we would have to fo- you know, factor in the fact that Massachusetts couldn't play, Pennsylvania mm-hmm. couldn't play. So what good is it if we're playing, but we have to travel to Ohio every other weekend? That doesn't make sense for us financially. So there are a lot of factors of it. And obviously we didn't get the okay anyway to play at 50%. So um, it's just strange, and especially it made it tougher for a lot of the guys, especially who are coming out of college, ready to play for us this season. Because not only are they not going to play with us, but now they have to get a spot playing somewhere in the other 12 teams that actually are playing in the ECHL. Right. So you have all the top line players of other teams, like us, the Reading Royals, the Worcester Railers, they all want to play still all these top line players. So they have to find Mm -hmm. all these other spots in other teams. So that kind of just bottlenecks everything down. So there are a lot of guys this year coming out of college, ready to turn pro that didn't get a chance to do so, or they had to take a year off hockey and maybe that changed some stuff for them. Maybe it changed their outlook on, you know, I wanted to play a couple of years professionally, but now I had to get a job and it it, it sucks for a lot of those guys. I know Pete MacArthur is a mainstay, you know, he's a household name in the Adirondack Thunder fan base, just the, the best guy ever. And he uh, was going to play in Orlando and he ended up getting traded to us right before our season got canceled. Ugh. And he's, you know, 35, going to be 36 this year. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's an older player in our league for sure, but he's coming back this year as he said, oh, so, wow, you know, for him to, to do that and then, you know, to, to stay the course. And I think a lot of guys too are, are hungry to still prove that they still still got it mm-hmm. you know, after a crazy year. And it, I think a lot of teams are also going to, basically dismissed last year in terms of what guys did production-wise or lack of production because the opportunities weren't there for a lot of these guys to still showcase that they have talent and they can they can play and a lot of the guys especially as i said before the college guys turning pro it's a big step to turn pro the whole dynamic of everything changes your lifestyle changes and they didn't really get the opportunity to do that in a normal season so hopefully when things get started in october um, we'll have a bit, nice big training camp and it, it's good because uh, so no matter if we sign the guys this past, this last summer, mm-hmm. we still retain their rights for this year. Yeah. So they can go play. Say we have guys playing in, you know, in Indy and in Fort Wayne, but still they're under our umbrella. So no matter what, they have to come back to us. So we still like, we signed them. So we didn't really lose anyone except for the veteran guys who you can't retain like that.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
3: um, but we should have a, a good contingent of guys back contingency of guys back it should be fun um and i think just the community itself i think sometimes it goes into any community i think it gets taken for granted Mm -hmm. um not so much here because there have been dark times at the arena here there's been years where teams haven't played Mm -hmm. and i think being without hockey and being without the big to do on a weekend will, i think hopefully hopefully have people wanting to come to games and kind of like, you don't know what you ha- you got till it's gone sort of a thing. Yeah. And hopefully that sparks maybe people who are on the fence about coming to Thunder games to come to Thunder games this fall, yeah. because you now know what it's like to not have hockey games. And you know what, you, you know what impact that takes on local businesses because, you know, we're owned by the coalition and that is a multiple people who own businesses in the Glens Falls area. Mm-hmm. And it's all people who directly benefit of having, or, you know, they benefit from having hockey games, whether it be, you know, a restaurant downtown Glens Falls, a store that can be, you know, more uh, a little busier because there's a hockey game that night, because there's more traffic in the downtown region or downtown area. So to be without it for a year, and obviously everyone is, you know, having a tough time in terms of uh, making any sorts of money, but to have everything back in the swing of things, it's going to be really special to have people in the building Uh, on opening night and just have that somewhat level of normalcy back. And again, we, we, there's obviously a light at the end of the tunnel, a big one now, Mm -hmm. but when, uh, when opening night comes along, just to have everyone back, you know, you can go out after the game and have a beer at the local place. You can go have dinner before a game and it kind of just, it's everyone helping everyone.
2: All right. My final question for, those who are trying to get into a career in broadcasting i have a nephew who is a broadcasting major at saint john fisher i myself graduated with a journal journalism degree last year i'm the ripe old age of 43 years old but i'm hopefully looking, looking to get into broadcasting someday as a full-time gig he's doing the same thing but but it, was, i'm just doing this podcast there's a kicking around thing uh, until things come back to normal but what kind of advice can you share Uh, With anyone who wants to get into broadcasting, who wants to grow their skill set, can you offer any advice? My biggest piece of advice is just do it.
3: Like, Mm -hmm. just do it. Like, if you have any second thoughts about it, just do it. Because you never know what's going to happen. Like, as I was talking about before, playing video games in my room. That Little did I know that me doing that was me getting experience. Mm -hmm. me getting an opportunity to broadcast a game, even though it wasn't like for anyone, Mm -hmm. but just knowing for myself that I can do it and plus working on things. And also you have to, one of the biggest things, and it's what I talk to, you know, up and coming broadcasters about is no one is perfect. You are not perfect. No matter how many people say you are, you're growing up. Because you know you have family around and say, "Oh, you know you're gonna be the next Doc Emmerich. You, I've heard you call call games in your bedroom. I'm Like, yeah, but that's that's you. You know, no, like, I love your grandma, but you know nothing about broadcasting. <laughs> like, you know. So I think a lot of times when people hear that over and over again, and they don't really get that to click. Like, oh, my parents think I'm good, so I'm good. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, but also, you can't ride that wave the whole time. So you have to be realistic about your abilities and you have to be able to not only send out your stuff for critiques, but you have to be able to take that criticism, which is a big thing. Like, you know, I, when I send out my demo tapes, I send it out to people who obviously their opinions, I respect tremendously. I'm not sending out my demo tapes just to send out my demo tapes. Like here's my latest demo tape. It's like not my latest CD I put out. Right. It's like, you know, it's not like you listen to this new hit song I put out. It's like, this is what I want to do in life that I know whoever I'm sending it to is what I aspire to be. And I obviously respect their opinion. So I want their true opinion, their honest opinion. And someone goes, Oh, it's good. Like that doesn't help me. Right. I want to know where, where I can be better. And there's so many things that I've learned from talking to so many people. And what I've learned also is that the broadcasting industry, the people, especially hockey broadcasters, they're so gracious with their time because they've been in the situations Mm-hmm. where, you know, they were in the minor leagues cutting their teeth. They were riding buses at three in the morning. And, you know, there's question marks, like, what is it all going to be for at the end? Like, obviously our main goal is to call games in the NHL, but not everyone does that. That's right. not really what happens, but a lot of people are able to do that. And and to be able to send an email to someone and just say, Hey, you know, I'm looking to do this. And especially someone in the NHL, like there are a ton of NHL guys who, who listen to my this to my tapes because I just reach out and say, Hey, I I'm in the minor leagues, you know, I am doing what you've did, have done at one point. And they're all like, I know exactly where you're coming from. So, and so helped me out when I was at this stage of my life too. So I'm going to pay it forward. It's kind of mm-hmm. like that situation. So always send out your stuff because there's no benefit to you listening back to your stuff over and over again, mm-hmm. because you're going to be some, become so complacent with your, with your work. Um, And again, I was like that when I first started too. like, I would listen back to games and be like, Oh yeah, I got, that was a good call by me. Like, (laughs) no, it wasn't, but it was better than what I usually do. But again, that's nowhere near where I wanted to be. Um, but to, and again, from contacting so many different people and having so many people listen, you pick up different pieces of the puzzle that you want to plug in and also, you know, incorporate into your broadcast. And again, also watch and listen to as many broadcasts as you can, as you can. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the, the playoffs on NBC is, is perfect. You have so many different, uh, especially last year when they had all the different broadcasters doing each round, you know, Kenny Albert, Mike Emmerich, John Forslund, Brendan Burke, Alex Faust. Um, and still to this playoffs, it's John Forslund, Kenny Albert, um, Brendan Burke, Alex Faust, those guys. And they're all so different in their broadcast styles, yep. but they're still at the top of their craft. And those are just you know, there, there are things that you pick up. Like, Oh, I like, I like the way he described that. I like the way he used this phrase. I like his, his, his cadence or his pace or his pitch and his voice. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's just so much to learn just sitting down and, you know, being in broadcasting has ruined like the sports viewing experience for me Mm -hmm. just because I'm so in tune with, you know, a broadcast or if I'm watching a game in person, I could see what's going on on the scoreboard, and I know because I do, you know, the front office stuff here with the Thunder. I know that's a sponsored thing, so I know how they're incorporating different things. I know, spoiler alert, like the noise meter at sporting events, it's gonna go to red no matter how loud you are. Yeah, like, like that's that sort of stuff. So, kind of takes it out, but but I'm also like I'm also learning and and listening and and you know, kind of hanging on the words because I'm. I, I want to be better i want to learn what i can do differently or if someone absolutely crushes a, a call i you know i just like wow i i want to be able to replicate that in some some form so just reaching out to as many people as you can getting in the reps no matter how you do it you don't have to be employed by a team to broadcast a game mm-hmm. as i said before i i used to sit in the corner in a coliseum and broadcast a game to myself that's what i did you can mute the game on tv and call the game to yourself the information nowadays you could download the stat packs that the broadcasters use that the media uses of every nhl game all the stuff is available for you to put on a broadcast from your home especially now people know how to do it with all Mm -hmm. the 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 webcam stuff and all the audio stuff it doesn't even have to be that high quality of it but doing it over and over again will only make you better be open to criticism and be open to anything Mm -hmm. um the biggest, another big thing in broadcasting is you have to relocate. Yeah. Um, you know, growing up on Long Island, like the number one job that I would want was to be the voice of the Mets or the Islanders. And the New York market is the number one market. Like I'm, you know, you're not going to get a job. You're not going to get a, pro, a major league job out of, you know, just doing, you're sitting around out of college.
2: And if you, you do, know. you must have the right connections to do that.
3: <laughs> and, yeah. And if you do, like unbelievable, like yeah, oh, marks do you if you do that. That's great. like i I hope I hope that's everyone's I hope that happens to everyone. But it just doesn't. You know, mm-hmm. you have the occasional person that slips through every now and again. But you know you you have to learn by going on these new experiences. There, you know, I went to school in Bowling Green, Ohio. I went to school nine and a half hours away from home. Yeah. Because I I knew that it would give me the best opportunity to to at least try what I want to do. Um, and you have to be open to those opportunities and those experiences. I you know, I know people who have moved to Nebraska for a couple of years to do games. And, you know, I a lot of the broadcasters of the ECHL are from the New York area, but they're, mm-hmm. you know, Mark Manetti, who I said before, is in Rapid City, South Dakota. Jared Shaffron uh, is in Charleston, South Carolina. You know, you have to be willing to take the necessary steps in order to achieve your goals and to go into a job with your mindset like that it's what you need you know you you can't be looking as much as you want to look big picture mm-hmm. and you know there are people who i've met in the broadcasting industry and you know they're like oh well when i'm done with this i'm just going to get a an nhl job or i'm gonna get an ahl job like that's not how it works and those spoiler those guys don't have jobs yeah right so that's <laughs> i mean because you have to be able to do not only be able to do the work, but be willing to do the work, which is the biggest thing. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, it's not easy. Um, And I'm not the first person to ever say that, but it's no secret. It's we, there are some tough days. There are some tough weekends There's you know, seasons are, it's a grind. Um, And it's not everyone's cup of tea. And, but you have to be willing to want to try it because, you know, it, it could lead you in the right path and no one's path is the same. And, you know, a lot of times I'll hear, "Oh, I, you know, you you went to college and then you got an ECHL job out of college." That's what I want to do. Like, well, you you can't bang. That's not like you know, you can't just rest on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I got hired out of college, um, uh, mainly for a sales position. The this job was broadcasting and sales. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, all the jobs now, it was one of the few jobs that weren't communications director and broadcaster. I got to work for. A year under Zach Dooley, who now works for the Los Angeles Kings. he was the communications director here and then I kind of just watched what he did and I asked for, asked him if he needed any help when he, you know he was working here and then John Edwards got the job after him who was working in the department and then ultimately mm-hmm. John left and then me being here for two years and working under those guys, I was able to take the position uh, within the organization but now a lot of teams are looking for the communications aspect of it too um. I said in my interview that you it's hard to make a salesperson a broadcaster but easier to make a broadcast person a broadcaster a salesperson mm-hmm. something along those lines um and i guess it got me the job but um <laughs> but it, it's it, it's so tough now especially i've talked to you know past couple of weeks of various broadcasters looking for advice and and stuff like that especially now it's such a strange time but and every position is looking for communications part of it and you just have to start where you can get that experience whether it be an internship don't be afraid to do internships there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong about doing an unpaid internship if you
2: again i did an if, internship yeah I've i did 1045
3: <laughs> yeah i i did one i worked at Sirius XM for two summers it was mm-hmm. unbelievable like i like i was fortunate to be a paid intern there but like i would have done that for i would have paid to done that internship yeah because of how valuable that experience was for me and the networking that comes with it and just being able to work amongst people who are just professionals. Um, that's why like, again, paid internships to me are just like, great. That's a, that's a cherry on the top of your, your whipped cream and all your other toppings on your Mm Sunday, but to be able to do an internship and know that, you know, you're not getting paid. It's not about the money. If you're, if you're about the money in this profession, then you're in the wrong profession. Um, but, uh, you know, it's about the drive and the passion for it. You have to be passionate about it. And I know this is a very long-winded response, but there's... All so right, m- I, there,
2: I'll take all the advice I can you know, get myself. <laughs> yeah, you know,
3: there's, there's just so many factors and so many things that, and again, when people are applying the jobs, they're presidents and team owners that, you know, they're all looking for a different thing. Um, And especially in minor league sports, it's not always about the broadcasts. And that's that's a true thing too. I mean, minor league sports, they're there to make money. And if you can't do that, if you're not a revenue generator, or if you don't bring anything else other than calling a game, then you're not going to stick. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, you know, as much as you want to think, you know, like I went to school dreaming about becoming a broadcaster, but learning the reality is, you know, they only care about the broadcast when you get to the, you know, the companies that are hiring broadcasters, not communications directors, not salespeople. So you have to be able to, willing to transition yourself to do different things and i was talking to someone uh, one of my buddies who, who's a broadcaster in the echl and we were talking about just the grind of getting a job and once you do it and the way our job operates it's almost like a reward we get to broadcast the games mm-hmm. it's like okay you do all this other stuff and we'll let you broadcast the games that's kind of what it's like in some aspects and that's the way i look at it now it's just it's a privilege to be able to broadcast games, especially I'm very fortunate in what we do in, in Glens Falls is that we're on radio stations. Mm -hmm. I get to travel home and, and, and on the road and do all the games there, not only for our ECHL TV or flow hockey TV stuff, but I get to do radio broadcasts. And there are a lot of teams in the ECHL that do online only, but Mm -hmm. we're fortunate in that aspect. And our fans are passionate enough where they listen and they care and it's a very unique place to be where not only do you have the ability to, you know, do games on the radio, but also for people to listen. Like, I'll say things if we're on the road on like a Sunday somewhere in the afternoon, like I'll say something like witty or like by myself. So I'm like basically talking to myself. That's what it is. Like, <laughs> like, all right, 2 p.m. We were in a different city last night. Here we go. And I'll just like say like a joke or something. That I don't think it's funny. But then like, I'll see one of our fans the next week at a game. Like, oh, that was a funny thing you said. I, like, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about, <laughs> but like it's, it's one of those things where it's like people listen and people care. And, you know, people ask me like, Oh, what's uh you know, is so-and-so going to be hurt for a while? Like I'm going to give them answers. Like, I don't know. I don't know a lot of the answers, but it's, it's nice to be in a place where people, the fans care, the players care, the coaches care, the management cares. Um, and I think more and more as we, you know, as, broadcasting world evolves and the way businesses evolve in terms of minor league sports it's really nice to see that everyone cares and is passionate
2: now on that note i guess we'll wrap things up for this episode of no credentials required evan thank you so much for being a part of this this week's show really no do appreciate it hopefully this will this will lead to a, a, a closer relationship with the uh, adronic thunder i'd love to kind of some games this year and take some Absolutely. pictures or do some interviews. Absolutely.
3: Awesome. Oh, I, I'm the guy to contact for that. I'm, most things to contact uh, on the media side is me. So uh, let me know what you need, and uh, we'll get you all set up.
2: Excellent. And on Twitter, Facebook, just search for Edinburg Thunder. You'll find them there, obviously. Yep. And I'm looking forward to, to October being back at the Cool Insuring Arena at the Glens Falls Civic Center. do <laughs> yep. yep. so to call it the Glens Falls Civic Center, it's just yeah, <laughs> It was.
3: I think it was my first. Was it the second year of Cool Insuring Arena? Was my first year. So I I basically I knew it as the Glen Small Civic Center a little bit, but I was kind of trained right away. It's cool insuring arena. Um, (laughs) so I never really had to get rid of that habit, but I know a lot of people still like refuse to call it cool insuring arena, Mm -hmm. which is fine. Like as long as you're going to the right place to watch the game. Exactly. That's fine. (laughs) fine.
2: It's all good. Awesome. Well, thanks again. I guess I want to remind you those who are out there who are watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel. Much more episodes coming this way if you're on the podcast side listen on any podcast platform and of course the socials tw- twitter is at BellyUpNCR, facebook.com forward slash BellyUpNCR, and of course youtube no credentials required and again for evan one thing is my my name is Ryan mccarthy i'm your host brought to you by belly up sports in association with godzilla media and we'll see you around Take care,
0: Use the courtesy of Joseph McDave. Check him out and support his music at patreon.com forward slash Joseph McDave. Be sure to rate, share, and subscribe on multiple podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Spreaker. No credentials required as a belly up e. sports podcast network production in association with Godzilla Media.
2: Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And
1: we're still here. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
2: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Uh Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually.
1: Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom Alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages. You can transform any area with Alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design.